Hey guys. Hey, how's the week going? It is Friday. So uh, it's actually good Friday, uh, but it's Friday. And uh, we have Tyler Larson from Music Is When. So hey, just... how's it going, everybody? Hello, hey. Phil's friends. What do you call your your uh, subscribers? Anything? Uh, yeah, friends. The Phil's friends, friends. Of the channel. Yeah, friends of the channel. <laughs> um, the uh, like I said, super nerds like me. And <laughs> super nerds. That's good. Yeah, yeah. Of course, right. Um, I think everything is a nerd thing. Like I think being a guitar player is kind of nerd thing. Being a like even athletes kind of there's a nerdness to anything that you can get in, kind of really into. I am uh I'll nerd out about anything. Especially especially music stuff though. Yeah, I'm definitely a music nerd. Let me see if I can uh here. I want to compete with you. Uh, there we go. There we go. All right, now I have some gear in the in the, oh, uh, yeah. in Look the at frame. Love the pedals. The uh, somebody Justice Reed says, "I am so jealous of Tyler's sharp and PRS." Oh, it's so sharp. Let me tell you guys. You know, it's funny is I'm jealous of it because it's a great. It's a when I opened it out of the box before I even did anything to it. It was it's a great guitar. It feels great. Plays great. It's nice weight. It's uh, you may say it's the perfect guitar. <laughs> but look at look how sharp. Ready? Oh, it's been difficult to play actually now since you sharpened it. But <laughs> I'll manage. Lots of bleeding. Yeah. Pain. Uh, so as you guys know, you can ask any questions you want, except for one, uh, because I want to answer it, which is from one to ten. What is the color of the alphabet? Uh. <laughs> That's not what it was. It was uh, on a scale of one to ten. What is your favorite color of the alphabet? That is what it was. Yes, and uh, I still don't have an answer. I've been trying to think. You know how you you know how you you have a cut down fight and you lose, but for the next three days you're trying to think of the thing you could have said back. Yeah, yeah. I didn't think of come that. up with it yet. No, I've been trying to think of an answer to that question. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I probably devoted way too much time to it in the last day or two, but uh, there's a lot going on there. I, I mean, I don't think I have an answer either. Uh, so Nathan uh, Sonia wants to let everybody know that Phil used the same stuff he buffs his head with uh, to get the gorilla glue off. That's the secrets out now. That is actually oh. Nathan is not actually wrong. <laughs> that makes sense. That makes sense. So do you sell that or is it just, you know, it seems like it's of a secret, right? You know what? There is one nice thing about this haircut. It is low maintenance. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I always try to keep my hair short. Uh, yeah. I, you. Know, oh, go on. I was going to say I, I had a, I had an Afro in college. So my hair gr doesn't grow long. It grows out. So, uh, you could probably find a picture of it on Instagram somewhere. That'd be, that'd be cool to see. Um, you know, it's funny thing is I've been shaving my head for so long that um, every couple years I find out what a haircut goes for. And it's always shocking to me because I'm always so out of touch. I'm always like, what's a haircut? Six bucks. And they're like, no, it's twenty five dollars. I'm like, oh, crap. I had no idea. Things have changed, Phil. Things have changed. <laughs> no more six dollar supercuts, I guess. So yeah. what can you do? Um, OK, so I have questions for you. So we're going to go through questions and then. I'm going to throw some of my questions at you, too. Okay. Let's do um, it. Brian just wants us to know that he just bought a PRSS2 custom, and it's awesome. So that's a good question. Even though that's not a question, he's just telling us something. But you, like me, have core PRS guitars and S2s. Yep. I have one Whale Blue uh, Custom 24 S2. And so what's your take on them versus your cores? Uh, honestly, my my S2 plays just as well as my core, uh, instruments. I can kind of feel a little difference in the SEs, uh, but that's more of like a longevity type thing. I just feel like when you pick up a real nice instrument, no matter how long it's been sitting down, it still plays perfectly. Um, and that's kind of how I feel about the S2 is I play on it like 
oh, this is like a $3,000 guitar or something. And um, I think it was like, I don't remember. How much are at? S2 is like 1200 or something. Yeah, they, they go from satins like 1000 bucks, and then they go up to, I think the most expensive one is the semi-hollow that I have at like 1600 bucks. Yeah, this is mine right here. And uh, this was my first PRS with a uh, split coil. Or is it a coil tap? Can you tell me what... Go ahead. Is it split coil or coil tap? It's a coil It's a coil split or split coil. Split coil, okay. The reason I always mess up the language. I know what it does, like, you know, split bypassing part of the pickup. Um, or wait, no, that's tapping. <laughs> so here, Explain I'm gonna, split coil versus coil tap. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll explain it to you in a way you can remember it forever, okay? So... Uh, think of it like your humbucker is twins, right? So if yeah. you're if you're going to a single coil, you're splitting them up. You're making you're only using one. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so a coil. So if you want a humbucker to go to single coil, you're gonna split it. Yes. Okay. Tapping it refers to taking in like 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 almost like a joke, like tapping a keg, tapping mm. into the humbucker's wire somewhere in the in the middle of the wind. You know how it's got winds around it. Yep. And therefore, what that would do is reduce the output. Right, right. So coil tapping would be like taking your humbucker down, you know, not technically half, but you know what I mean? A, a dramatic volume drop where a coil split turns one of the coils off and makes it single. And you split the coil on my guitar, right? Yes. Okay. Um, and I used, I didn't show it in the video because I want it for another video. When I do these videos, I, I can't just, you know, it'd be two hours long if we went through everything. Right. Um, when I did your coil split, I used the same capacitors that uh, that uh, Paul Reese Smith uses, uh, which is, he's got a very interesting and very nice way of splitting the pickups. That's why they sound, I think, better than a lot of other companies. <laughs> it's, it's the magic of a $2 part. I just learned so much from you, Phil. I'm yeah. so I'm so wise now. See, that's the that's the goal. Hopefully, we all learn something. Yep. Yeah. What can it? Um, man, I don't know how you, how you've picked questions here. There's so many. Um, yeah, you know what I'm always looking for is something something interesting and different. Uh, like you know, haircut questions are fun though. <laughs> Uh, oh, here's one. Jonathan Levitt asks, Tyler, will you be playing at Experience PRS? Uh, I think I will be, actually. I'll definitely be there. Uh, so that's an event in June, I think, in at the PRS factory. And I'm going to be, it's going to be, I'm going to treat it like a little mini NAM show and hang out with whoever's there, make videos and I think they wanted me to do a clinic or something like that. So I'll definitely have my hands on some guitars. That'll be cool. I know there's a couple people going. Uh, Steve from Boston's going and the Tone King's going too. So oh, I that's know cool. they, I, Yeah, so I know they're going as well too. Um, I haven't decided. <laughs> <laughs> so would you ask like Gene or somebody on the marketing side to come to that or do you have to be a... I didn't. I thought I didn't know it was only open to like experienced members or something like that. Well, yeah, they they um. I'm not sure how the event works, but I got a I got an invitation to go, um. But I, you know, I got to think of something to do. One of you know one of the drawbacks, not to get on this tangent, but one of the drawbacks when there's like 20 of us hanging out at one event, mm -hmm. we start making the same content. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I leave all the all this all the gear review stuff to people who know what they're talking about, and I just trip over carpets. They, that's my that's my favorite thing to do. I don't know. Uh, you know, it's nice. I liked. I really enjoyed uh, the the video you did at Nam this year with uh, Tremani. Yeah, this year was actually really a fun show. I didn't do as much, but uh, as I have done at previous shows, but the uh, the videos that I did get a chance to do I thought were really fun um and we've got another question here's one for both of us what's your opinion on active pickups uh I think they're they're useful in arenas or in studios right right <laughs> 
But I mean, but what do you do? You like them, or do you? You know, they're not not your thing. Uh, honestly, it doesn't. Uh, I I couldn't tell you the differences between active and passive, other than something that's already very obvious about the output and things like that. But uh, for some reason, they're not in as many guitars um, that I've played. So it just happens that way. I don't really have an intelligent thing to say. <laughs> what do you say about them? Let's see. Maybe um, I can build off your... Well, you know, my thing is active pickups are one of those things that uh, I can appreciate them. You know what I mean? I plug in and I go, I can see why somebody would want this. Mm -hmm. you know what I mean, it has appeal. Um, it just never fits in my, you know, in my world. I, you know what I mean? I have a guitar with, with them in them EMGs in my Schecter just so I can have them, you know, for reference. Mm -hmm. But I never, you know, I never, I don't know why I never connect with them, I guess is the way to say it. Yeah. There's something about them. There is uh it's sort of like an amp that has just a volume knob and there's not really like, sometimes that's really good maybe for practice, <laughs> but right. I feel like there's nowhere to hide and not, not saying like I need something to cover up my mistakes, but there's nowhere to like feel some sort of give uh as it were so like you can't really like lean into them it's kind of abstract the way i'm explaining it but when you play something that's just bone dry it's not as fun uh but if you play something with a little character which i feel like passive pickups are more conducive to having a little bit more tonal character then that's just i don't know more fun as a guitar player yeah i uh I had a buddy tell me this. I use it all the time. I love the saying. He once uh, he was a designer for uh, well, it's a rat amount, not his name, but I'll tell you what he did. He designed uh, guitars for Charvel, and he said uh, he was talking about EMG pickups, and he said EMG pickups are like A one steak sauce, whether on steak or on cardboard, it tastes the same. Um, huh. And then and the analogy was so strange, but to me, it still makes sense to me when I think of active pickups. That's kind of like a. You know, I, I have said to many people over the years, like when they go, hey, I hate the sound of my guitar. I'm like, well, EMG pickups will correct that because they'll take over. You know what I mean? Yeah. They'll become the sound. Zach um, Wild plays the uh, active pickups from EMG, so they must be awesome. Yeah. Get active yeah. pickups, sound like Zach Wild. Can't go wrong. <laughs> um, and then James got a question that says, he just bought the Pride of Texas pedal and he's getting the new Zoom S." ms 70 cd cdr Ooh, yeah and uh he said what are your thoughts on modern pedals that have sd slots and mini usbs so obviously he's not talking about the texas pedal he's talking oh. about i'm sure the ms 70 uh by ms 70 is that a boss thing no it's a zoom i'm gonna you know what sometimes zoom. sometimes i have to look so i'm gonna say without looking at it but you know how that goes uh, it's a some kind of processor. Hold on, and that's probably why he's asking about a USB port. Um, and yeah, the I mean, I've used I've used pedals with the USB ports. I mean, I, I've used them as an analog pedals. I've never done the the computer thing. Yeah, this is a, so. What he's uh, what that pedal is is it Zoom makes a pedal. I'm looking at it right now, and here, watch for fun. Just so you see. There you go. You can see it. You can see it right now, oh, yeah. right? Yeah. It's, it's that pedal that it's like a, you know, it's like a, a multi, you know, it does everything, but it's in a one pedal slot. Uh huh. Um, here's my thought on that. Uh, I think the idea is cool. The idea that you can designate a pedal on a pedal board that can do, you know, a hundred different things mm -hmm. is cool in theory. Here's why, here's my, my take on it. Um, I, I once, I was excited about a pedal that I could put on my pedal board and it could be a chorus pedal or a compressor. You know what I mean? I can manipulate many things. Yeah. This does, this, this looks like it does the same kind of thing it does. And here's the problem I had. Although it's nice to have a pedal that can do chorus and flanger and phaser and stuff. Um, I don't like all those pedals in the same positions in my pedal board or in my, you know what I mean? Placement. Mm -hmm. So it's cool that I can make this pedal be multiple different pedals as I need them. But then I have to physically move it too. Yeah, I didn't think about that. Like the the signal path. Like I wouldn't want a flanger in front of my 
distortion or i mean is that how it would that's what the way you're describing it right yeah like i here's what's funny silly for me that it jumps onto what you're saying i like my phaser in front of the amps overdrive but i like my flanger behind the overdrive i like it the same way that's so funny I, yeah. I i like the phaser in front i like the phaser but the flanger does something weird you know it just has this weird reflection that i just feel like complements the, the the already distorted sound but phaser is cool because i don't know it skips so it can sometimes have neat effects i only ever use modulation when i'm trying to do something really weird and quirky anyways right uh I don't know. I just feel like Mike Einzinger owns traditional phaser sounds. So I'm going to try and do something different. <laughs> yeah. But see, so that's my only, so that's my take on that. And then on the USB thing, I think that's cool, but you know, uh, both Tyler and our had Tyler and I have had the same experience with TC when we were at GitCon. And once you kind of work with Tor and those guys and see what TC does mm. to me, it was like, <sighs> It's like Bluetooth, you know, it literally is Bluetooth versus a USB plug to me. You know what I mean? Like the yeah. convenience of the tone print system seems so much more efficient than physically plugging in a pedal. Yeah. And I'm just too, I'm too set in my ways to really even give it a chance. And I'm open to admitting that <laughs> like, I don't know, man, I, I'm, I have enough trouble trying to get sounds in an analog world you know let alone trying to open up that whole landscape yeah but i think the, the next gen or people who are more open-minded than me will uh will certainly enjoy it and then another question is uh it's uh from i'm a glitch <laughs> and he <laughs> wants to know he's wondering if he should get a marshall jcm 800 a 900 slx which is just a, a version of the 900 or the Mesa Boogie Mark V, and he plays mostly old school thrash. Oh, um, it's Mesa for yeah. me. Yeah, I agree. The Mark V for me. And I'm a huge JCM 800 fan, but, uh, you know, the Mesa. And it's weird to say because I'm picking a new school amp for an old school sound, but. I mean, it's kind of like get the thing that is a sure thing. I don't know. <laughs> right. If you, if you want something that's reliable, I just think of, if I th hear any type of metal, especially that kind of brown sound, like the thrash thing, Mesa does that really well. Marshall does other things well. And it's like, if you're going for that metal sound, go all the way. Don't, don't like stop it. Oh, this amp can do this, but it can also, if I decide to become a blues player, you know, I don't know. I'm an, I'm an extremist. <laughs> yeah. Um, Cheddar Kung Pao says, Phil, were you tempted to just send Tyler back your 594? It would have been less work. Uh, I think you would have noticed because mine's like yellow. <laughs> oh, yeah? I don't, I don't think I've seen that one. Uh, yeah, it's like a lemon. I think it's lemon drop. I'm pretty sure that's what color I have. Um, is it the one with the... How old is it? I bought it last year at NAMM. When I interviewed, uh, right before I inter right literally an hour before I interviewed Paul, is it? Uh, does it have a roasty, a roasty neck? No, I, I wanted to, uh, I wanted to get one of the artist editions, but you know, sometimes the pocketbook. Yeah, I played the uh, the five nine four at GitCon last year, had the roasted neck, and I was like, oh, I know. You know what's funny was I, I was in love. I think every one of us was in love with that guitar. I think that guitar probably had the most people. Like, uh, I feel like every other person that was there, one of us was there, told me at some point, yeah, I talked to Gene and Brian about buying it. <laughs> <laughs> I, talked to, I talked to him about what would happen if it disappeared. Nice. <laughs> and then I winked. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Um, um, but... Um, and then Lance, uh, this is one of those uh, questions. Lance Phillips says, ceramic or El Ninko PF style, PAF style pickups, uh, which sounds better? So we're going to make it easy and just say ceramic versus El Ninko pickups. Uh, El Ninko. Yeah. So the question is, uh, so I'm going to ask you this question because you're, you know, as a guitar player, do you, 
Because I, okay, so here's my question. Are you aware of a difference? Do you know what the differences are? And if so, you know, do you have a preference? I have no idea what so, that is. So here's an interesting tidbit. So I'm curious. And Lance, if you want to comment again, you know, let me follow up to your question. I'm curious. Here's what I've really learned about the whole El Nico. There's El Nico 2. There's El Nico, you know, 5. There's El Nico 8. Um, and, you know, and there's a ceramic. These are different types of magnets that are in the pickups. Mm -hmm. And um, there's some general rules that you can follow that, that explain a lot of things. And then there's some rule breakers out there. Some pickup companies break the rules by using different magnets. But here's what I've really kind of noticed about pickups. Musicians, which is what I'll characterize you as, use your ear. You go, you listen, and you go, oh, yeah, this is what I want. Mm -hmm. And, yeah. the and the nerd, like me, I'm the one reading schematics and specs. <laughs> yep. Well, I don't think it's a right way to go about it. I like to do kind of, I've started to do a little bit more of a hybrid. Like it's always going to be about how it sounds and or feels or whatever I'm playing. But uh, it is now that I've been, you know, hanging out with you and everything. I, I don't know. There's there's an advantage to both ways, but it's interesting to have multiple approaches. Yeah. Well, you know, uh, and I have this story. I want to share it because I always liked it. I met uh, the guy, one of the, the, the owners, the builders from 65 Amps, if you're familiar with that brand of amps. Never heard of it. So 65 Amps is another like, you know, they're kind of a boutique high-end amp company, right? Make really good amps. And I listened to him explain the magic of the transformers and how important that was to the amp, right? And he went through all this stuff. And one of the things he said to me was he was explaining why 16 ohm cabinets are, why he prefers 16 ohms and how, how the transformer works differently. And, it, and the whole story was very interesting. It was very intricate to the point where I won't, I won't get into it now. I just want to get into the second part of the story. So mm -hmm. two years later, almost to the, to the day, uh, I was at another event. This, that was an event at NAM. another event at NAM, And Eddie Van Halen was there showing off the new Eddie Van Halen amps. Mm -hmm. And they explained that all the Eddie Van Halen amps, even the 112, the 212, and the 412, all come in only 16-ohm cabinets. Okay. And Eddie, Eddie was explaining. I was in a room, and Eddie Van Halen is explaining this. And the funny part of the story is, He's explaining why he likes it in a very non-technical way. And what I perceived from that was he was saying everything that the other guy was saying in a very musician way. Like he was talking about it in sound and that guy was talking about it in technical sense. You know what I mean? And he probably has the, the tech knowledge, but he just defaults to that sort of. Yeah. The, more of the emotional side of it. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So I always think that stuff is kind of cool. You know how basically you can, you can get there different ways. Like you were saying earlier. Yep. Um, shut up. Let's talk. Wants to know if we could vocally build our dream guitar, fender neck, Ivan body, you know, PR, PRS tuners, etc. What is our dream guitar? If we, we build it, what's your dream guitar? Well, the boring answer is that it's hanging right there. See it, see it. Oh, right there. Right. Uh, but I guess I think it really doesn't. I mean, I would say I I like the 24 and a half scale. So I guess like a Les Paul or, uh, you know, single cut neck scale. Uh, that's kind of my sweet spot. But then I go back and I have my strat over here. I don't know, man. On different days, I like different necks, depending on how I'm playing that day or what kind of mood I'm in. I don't have just one guitar. Can it be a guitar that like you can s swap out the neck? It's really about the neck for me. Um, it's a yeah. special guitar where you can swap out the neck for anything yeah, with they... one click. Yeah, that that would be very difficult. You know, you know, for me, uh, I think the my dream guitar, like if I was gonna build it, it's mm -hmm. actually Pete Thorne's Sir guitar. Oh man, uh, I can't say why I played this. No, I well, it doesn't matter. Uh, I played this Sir guitar in oh, 
where was it? It was in Kentucky recently, and it's a one of a kind guitar. I'll tell you about it after the show. I'll find the specs on it, but it may have been the best playing guitar like I've ever picked up in just in a guitar store. The guy was like, I don't know if you should play that because you're going to want to buy it. And you know, they always say that. And, and but it was actually true. Like I, and it was like seven grand or something. And he's like, it's one of a kind. I can't remember why he said it was, but apparently it was a one-off and uh, yeah. Anyway, sorry to interrupt, but oh no, that, that reminded me. Pete's guitar. When I played it, it was cause so, so to line up with this question, it was that slimmer, kind of thinner fender neck, but it was the mahogany body, mahogany neck with the maple cap kind of and humbuckers. So it sounded a little thicker, had that kind of, you know, bigger, less Paul kind of vibe, which is what uh-huh. he said he was going for. Right. Um, and um, the tremolo was great. Everything was great. And, uh, and I remember playing it and going, oh, I got to have this. And you know, what killed <laughs> it. You know, what killed it for me was, you know, then he told me the price, they're like 3,500 bucks. Yeah. But because it's his guitar, it only comes in like the two colors. <laughs> oh. right? So it's one of those things like he goes, look, you can custom build your own guitar. But if you want my guitar, it only comes this way. Because I was thinking like, I want your guitar, but in a different color. You know, because the gold top is cool and the black is cool, but that's not something I want. You know what I mean? Yep. So yep. that's not a, I would never get a black guitar. And yeah. gold top is also, I'll get like a, when I'm, whenever I have an extra like 400 grand lying around, I'll get a gold top, like 59, uh, less Paul. But other than that, probably not. And then Josh says, how close, he's just got a question. How close is the 5153-100 to the Saldano slow amp? Um, that's an interesting thing. I'm going to say it's, it's only close in the idea that both of them produce a lot of gain in my mind, you know, a lot of saturation. But the, but so they're close. Like if you wanted a slow 100 and you didn't want to pay slow 100 money, the 5153 will get you close, but it's not the same. I just, that's a straightforward. Do you have any experience with the, you ever played Soldanos? I've actually played both of the bias effects plugins for those amps, <laughs> but I haven't played the amps themselves. So, okay. So here's a good question. So you've played the 5150 and the Soldano bias, right? Yeah. Yeah. So what's your perception in that? Because my, so in my experience, those plugins always get the, they're close. You know what I mean? Like No, they're very good. The, yeah, you can get the vibe of that. So what was your take on that? Uh, the 5150 felt a little brighter and more aggressive and kind of biting. Right. Okay. Uh, the, the Soldano is more kind of, has more depth to it. You know that's the that's the thing in pl- plugins versus real amps is you can't feel the punch uh, that you would feel normally from an amp. There's no air moving. Uh, but if I were to guess, I would say a Soldano has a little bit more of that depth and that girth. Uh, it's more of like an expansive sound than the 5150, which seems to be a little bit more on the top end of the shelf. Um, so if you want, if you're more of a lead player, maybe, or more of like a, an aggressive player, then 5150 might work. But the slow seems, the Soldano seems like it could be, um, I, I preferred the Soldano for what I was using it for. It's good for rhythm stuff. Yeah, I, I, I would agree with that. Like I said, I think the Soldano slightly, I mean, I hate to say better, but like, you know, I liked it more. How about that? Yeah. But it, but in the, but so there's your option too, Josh, man. Plugins. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Check out the yeah. bias effects. It's way, way simpler to uh to record like hundred different types of amps. And then Joe's question is, what are your thoughts on digital echo pedals like Empress Tape Echo versus analog echo pedals like Warwiss Audio? Uh, Bellwether. Huh. Walrus? Yeah, Warwiss Audio. So he's basically it's the it's the analog versus digital logic when it comes to echo pedals. You know, like Empress versus Warwas Audio. Do you have a preference? What's your thoughts on that? I have both of them. Right. So this is uh, the the Echo system. I just got this, and it's super cool. The uh, 
the ARP87 is from Walrus Audio. Equally awesome. Uh, I and I it's so it's funny we talked about this Phil. Uh, the for echo and delay stuff in particular, it's the one effect pedal that I really like having a million options. And that's what the Empress one has. So um, here, I actually have a plug-in this time so I can show you, Phil. I'll plug it in here, and you can see all these different options. So this is digital tape, analog, multi, mod, filter, ambient, delay, reverb, reverse, stutter, lo-fi, and whiskey. And let me see. So I'm going to start switching the knob and you'll see the light change, but it's not moving. And that's just a different iteration of that mod. Oh, I gotcha. So there's like four or five, sometimes I think four is the most. Yeah. There's like three or four different types of lo-fi delay, three or four different types of reverse delay three or four different types of tape and then from there you have all these little fun knobs to adjust even further within each of those parameters so normally i hate multi-effects pedals because it's like i don't know i just like having one thing that's really good at one thing uh but to answer the question empress is my favorite there but walrus audio makes my favorite reverb is the uh, fathom now so just just uh to follow up on that question to kind of not what he asked but just because i'm curious does it matter to you if the effects made digitally or analog does it even matter no not not i mean it's a pedal like that's that's what matters to me is that i can step on it and again it comes back to the sound like if it sounds good to me which all the empress effects stuff is excellent um then that's that's really the I'm not a purist in in that regard. Yeah, I agree. I don't care. Like I um I I I don't care if a pedal's cheap or if it's expensive or if it's digital or if it's analog. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um I find that most of the pedals I like is in a more of an emotional response anyways, and if I, you know what I mean, if I try to rationalize it, I would probably just put more money in my 401k. <laughs> speaking of speaking of an emotional response from pedals, I have a video coming out, a little subtle plug here, a video coming out this Monday, April 2nd, and it was completely inspired by pedal art. Oh. And that's all I'll say. All right, I'm I'm curious about that. It's really I think it's you guys will like it if uh if you like pedals and art i do remember we were talking about that too i like uh pedals but i'm you asked me what art do i like on pedals i was like "Eh, i kind of just like them when they're brushed aluminum it's so so boring well you like what you like um and then gregor uh and so here's the thing gregor is one he's the very first guitar i ever sharpened he did oh, the nice. rock. yeah. He sent me his. He actually threw me the big curveball. He was the first guitar I sharpened, and he sent me a brand new Chapman uh, um, Scallion, Rob Scallion guitar. Scallion is that yeah, what it's I called? Know. A Scallion. It's called a Scallion. So you know, I'm messed in the head now because Rob's last name is Scallion, and when I met Rob uh, at, at the at uh, the Red Robin. <laughs> California. Red Robin. Yeah, when I was talking to him, I made the comment that somewhere in the world out there in the universe of internet, I said Scallion. And you're and I said your your fan base like they beat me down. And 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 then he said, Yeah, everybody does it. I don't care what you can call me whatever you want. And I said, Yeah, but I don't think your audience feels that way. So I'm gonna get it right. And then the problem is in trying to get it right by saying Scallion. Now, because I know the right way, I sometimes invertedly say the wrong way. Does that make sense? I think you should keep calling them Scallion. That's fun. <laughs> yeah. yeah. 
<laughs> so but like, it was do, do you like send him an onion in the mail or something <laughs> that's what he said he goes he goes a scallion but not like onion and i'm like all right good to know um Got so gregor oh sorry so what's gregor's question he says he's uh, having fun watching the two us two favorite youtubers he says uh, great work as always tyler great work on udemy courses uh he needs to find more time to practice those and uh, oh, so thanks so I have a question for you. Do you, since you have these great these great courses, right? Uh -huh. Do you have a suggestion for people, like a, 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 a on a execution process? Like, okay, you got a course. What do you recommend to somebody? Like when when I hear people say, "I need to find more time to practice." Yeah. So, is there a suggestion on? Hey, this is a good way to to get some time in each week? Do you have a method or a, or a suggestion that would say, hey, if somebody says to you, I need to find more time to practice, do you have a way to say, here's here's an idea? Yes. Uh, this is a question and a concern that 99.9% .9 of guitar players face. So like, unless you're Steve Vai, you're not going to practice for 12 hours a day uh, because that's crazy, right? <laughs> Right. <laughs> um, okay, so the answer is actually very simple. It's it's not necessarily that you don't have enough time. It's that you don't always, and I'm talking about myself included. I'll, I'll actually speak from first person. I, when I was trying to learn how to practice, and by the way, practicing guitar is the hardest thing to do on guitar. You can sweep pick, shred, legato, whatever. That's not as hard as practicing, you know, consistently. So when I sit, when I would sit down to practice, I wouldn't get anything done. And I feel like that's the problem that most guitar players have is it's not that we don't have time. It's that when we sit down, we're overwhelmed with what to do. Uh, so we end up just maybe noodling or ripping over a backing track or doing something for five minutes and then be like, now what? I didn't see any progress. Um, and that can be really discouraging. So all you really have to do is organize your time. And there's a different way to do this for different types of people. But for myself, I'll just tell you what works for me and the way that I kind of preach how to go about it is I have, uh, and this is available in my courses and on YouTube. I think there's a YouTube video too. Um, but I have a practice routine, an actual routine that's customizable, 100% customizable for whatever your goals are. And I'll just keep it brief for the live stream. There's X amount of categories and you delineate X amount of time uh, to each of those. And depending on how many categories you have, you never skip a category for more than two days in a row. So what ends up happening is you cycle through, say the categories are scales, chords, improvising, songwriting, rhythm, sight reading, six categories. I'll hit four in a day. Maybe that's five minutes per category. Maybe that's 20 minutes per category, whatever you want. And I won't skip sight reading two days in a row. I won't skip improvising two days in a row. So what happens is it continues to refresh itself. So you're not getting overworked on one thing. And it's like, Oh, I don't want to do my alternate picking again. Um, so it allows you to skip those things and kind of, you know, keep everything on an even keel. And that motivates you to, you know, come back to practice because it's going to be fun and new. Uh, more than it would be if you were like, I have to do these scales every day. Um, it's called uh, the ultimate practice routine. That's what it is on YouTube. So you can look that up and you can uh, customize it to your liking. But that's how I recommend taking all my courses and stuff too is using that method. So that's good. Because like I said, I sometimes I think that's, a, you know, it's harder to kind of figure out that formula of practice more so than just sit there and not dissect, but, you know, take in the information. Well, once you have that out of the way, that's like 90% of it because you don't have to think you just sit down and check the box and do what you got to do. And then that doesn't even have to be your whole time uh, playing guitar to just be like, 
all right, I'm going to do 20 minutes of practice a day and then I'm going to completely drift off into pedal world for 40 minutes a day, like whatever. The most important thing is consistency. And then here's a good question. I liked it. Uh, there's two actually, so I want to hit them both. Um, the one was, give me one second. It was, this is from Ken something, something, you know, your sign-ons are always hard. Ken John sign. Hi. Um, I butchered it, but hopefully it's close enough. It says, Hey guys, I want to support you. Do you get more revenue if I watch the full musician commercial? <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, so, so, <laughs> you know, I, I'm going to give you the advice that I gave my mother uh, when I first started doing YouTube. And my mom told me one day, she goes, I watch every commercial so you'll get paid. <laughs> so I'm going to tell you what I told her. Don't watch the commercials. Watch my entire video and comment yeah. and like the YouTuber will war reward us for you watching more of our content by promoting it to more people. And then let those people watch the commercials. <laughs> so, yeah. right? Would you agree with that kind of statement? Or Yeah, all that matters to us is that you guys watch uh, as much of the video. YouTube measures uh, engagement and watch time. That Those are the things that if you have a good watch time, then uh, that means people like to watch your stuff. That means advertisers will want to be on your stuff because you have loyal people who care. I don't know. I mean, it's it's probably changing a lot as we speak, but right. as far as I know, the more you guys watch and engage with the video, the better. And then I'm going to, I'm pinning a question because it's a really good one, but I, I want to wait for a second. Um, so here's one I like uh, from James and it says, uh, do you record directly to software or do you record analog and transfer tracks to software after? Um, kind of like, what are your recording practices? I'm curious too, how you do it. Do you? Uh, it depends on the project. So if I'm just doing like a quick YouTube video lesson where I need some audio, but I don't, I'm not like producing a track, then I'll, unless I'm like demoing an amp or something or I need an amp, then I will always use plugins directly into Logic Pro. Um, so I go from my guitar into an Apollo Twin uh, currently, and then that is a Thunderbolt connection into my iMac into Logic Pro. That's the path. Yeah, I I do somewhat the same thing. Like I use the same thing. I'll use interface and plugins, but I don't get to use them very much because I'm usually reviewing gear. You know, mm. <laughs> and um, and reviewing gear, I I never know what I'm going to use. It's very frustrating for me um, because. I, I when I'm when I'm doing a review, I mic, I use a direct line with uh, you know some IRs, impulse responses, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, the problem I have is when I'm when I'm watching back the review, because um, I know one of the frustrations for everyone, including myself, is you know when you're watching YouTube, you know you can't really tell what it was like to be in that room. You know what I mean? Because it's yeah. all compressed and different. I, I watch it and I have to. It gets it's tedious. I watch it on my computer, then I watch it on my phone. Then I go watch it on my TV downstairs and go, okay, does this sound like what it sounded like when I was checking it out? <laughs> and and sometimes, yeah. sometimes sadly, because I'm more interested in it sounding more like it did and not just sounding good, you know, um, I have to use a lot of, I, I end up always using like a room mic. You know what I mean? Something that captures it. Yeah. My, uh, my lapel mic usually does that pretty well. I've, yeah. I've, I've done videos where I've mixed uh, my lapel mic room audio when I'm playing with whatever recorded audio, and it sounded like crazy. Yeah, <laughs> I am. Um, well, you know, I've had the issue where I use my shotgun mic because I sometimes use a lapel and sometimes I use a shotgun mic for my voice. And one of the benefits of either is I have a, a, a thing called the cough drop. Um, it's yeah. uh, this. The Tone King told me about it. It's this sign off or whatever. It's a mute box for your mic. So I can run uh, my vocal uh, or my talking mic into the interface and I can mute it with this. So it's uh, so later I don't have to <laughs> cut tracks as much, you know, cut myself yeah. out. Yeah. Um, and I started doing that. It's great. But what I noticed is kind of like you, sometimes my shotgun mic was picking up 
some really good like full sound you know what i mean yep um so now i don't do that i have to go back to mixing it so to answer his question i think we both kind of came to the same thing you just kind of you know you're trying to give everybody a, a representation of what you're trying to do in that project i think yeah i'm always trying to get i always want the most to work with in post-production possible like the most camera angles the most audio uh mic'd up audio tracks i'm a slave for video editing so uh, give it all to me <laughs> um and uh okay uh all right here's a one this one's definitely for me so and it's great because the next one's gonna be for you this is from kyle and he says hey phil any tips on a nuck uh no a nuck on a neck alignment on a strat with a mickey mouse neck pocket shape uh, do you use do you use a jig or a laser to align it? Re, uh, replace a uh, replacement neck. Um, when yes, uh, when you're trying to align the neck, uh, it's so hard to do verbally without any kind of you know real way to show you. Um, I mean, there's everything from shims to really what I do is I, I, I it's I'm old school man. I, the the way I learned it was from an old school guy who worked at Fender, and he basically told me you just loosen the four bolts on the back of the neck and you physically grab it when you sit in your lap and you move it until it's in, in the right position. And then you just tighten those bolts down. I find that works most of the time. The only time you're going to have an issue is if, if you do that. And then later, if you notice like hours later, days later, it's moved again. Now you have a bigger problem, but I physically can do that. And I, you know, and the guy had, I, I think I was telling Tyler this, but anyways, he, he the guy I learned it from, he was the basically the guy who ran the Fender factory for like 30 years. So it was good advice. So, so easy. Listen um, to that person. Yeah. He's a smart guy. Uh, and then Alexander's got a question. It's definitely for you, Qu but it says question for Phil and Tyler, but we're going to give it to Tyler. It says I'm stuck in the scale boxes. How do oh, I break out scale boxes? Yes. So I'm going to make it easy. Cause I know you're doing it verbally and not as not, not what's, one one trick to start because you do, you know you can't teach them everything in a, in a verbal you know communication in a, in a live feed just give them one trick what's one thing to do to fix this problem or start something uh go to an alternate tuning you'll you'll drop out of those scale boxes real quick and it'll make you it'll make you play more melodically immediately um if you're trying to so that's like a hack, but that's not going to make you necessarily play better in standard tuning. So uh, for breaking scale boxes in standard tuning, I have a video that you should check out. It's called How to Break Out of Scale Boxes. And uh, it, I'm going to get that one too. <laughs> <laughs> go check that out. And um, really, really, uh, I would recommend learning triads, uh, triad shapes. Because these are, first of all, it's the most overlooked uh, chord by guitar players in the world. And it's actually the most important chord, uh, in my opinion. And knowing your triads will help you kind of learn to look at the neck a little bit differently. So ripping through pentatonic scales, pentatonic boxes, that's most likely what you're talking about and there's nothing wrong with that i mean that's kind of like my roots and a lot of guitar players roots but if you're trying to kind of find your voice a little bit or you're in a rut learning triads will unlock the fretboard in a way that is completely the opposite of learning scale boxes so it's actually learning areas and pinpointing intervals uh and it's especially useful, you know, when you're learning chords uh, and learning to play over chord changes. Uh, it'll just totally open a new world. That's the triads are actually why I started uh, teaching, <laughs> because when I and I understood them and how to, how they worked and how they helped me with improvising, uh, and also you know they were kind of drilled into my head in school. But when I figured out how to use them, I was like, I have to tell everyone. <laughs> and uh, and that's the foundation of my Guitar Super System series is it's all, a lot of it is triad based. And 
uh, chord based. And then obviously all the scales and arpeggios and fancier stuff is in there, but uh, it's really about finding your voice and you can do that. The more you know, the better you can do that. And it's actually, like I said, triads are the most simple chords in music, yet they're the most overlooked. So learn triads, break scale boxes. See, that's, that's good. Cause I think I, that's gotta be like, if there was, if there was one question I get like every week, every day, that's gotta be the one that's in your top two or three, right? Yeah, I would say. Yeah. There's just, cause, and, and it's, and it's, it's, it's a real problem. Cause you know, we, we all have it. <laughs> it's, it's, yeah, man. I mean. I don't know. It's a it's a problem some days, and then other days it's like, oh, all I want is my scale boxes. But yeah, you're never smarter for not knowing something. That's what that's my life mantra. Yeah. Okay. So the next question we have, and some people are sending comments. So I think they're asking like dad gad. So when you said alternate tunings, like that's what you mean, right? Like dad gads. Yeah. Like that. Yep. Exactly. Okay. I didn't want to leave anybody hanging since I saw some people making comments. I didn't want anybody later to put in the comments. Like, what does he mean by alternate tunings? So, um, there is, uh, it's funny. Some of the, okay. So here's a good one. It says, uh, Oh, okay. So here's a good one. Trey, Trey Rowe. Sure. Why not? That's as close as I'm going to get today. Can you guys talk about guitars for vets and why you chose to donate to them? Um, and uh, and I'll let you do because that that's a good one because you know if you guys didn't see when Tyler did his video uh, for the Sharp My Axe, he did a donation to uh, that charity and he put a link in there. So if you guys are interested in that, I'll put a link in this also for them. And this video is done when I do the index. Um, and so, do you have any? inside of why you pick them what you like about them uh well i actually started donating to them i have uh these things this is an it's called an axe handler and uh it just sits on uh you know on like an amp, a guitar amp or a side table or something and you lean your guitar up against it so they're a company. They were the first company, actually, to kind of give me any sort of validation. I think I had like five or ten thousand subscribers or something like that, and they were like, "Hey, we love everything you do." And I made like a funny video for them because I was like, "Whoa, this company sent me something!" <laughs> and so I was like super excited, and I made this funny video, and they brought me to Nam. But lo that's a lo long story short. Uh, a percentage of all of the axe handlers that I sell, as you can see, it has my logo on it, but they have their own logo. This is just like a signature one. Uh, every one of these that I sell, a portion goes to that charity, Guitars for Vets. Um, and that was actually a recommendation. You know, when I first started selling, I was selling like two or three per month. And he was like, hey, you got a certain threshold of sales. What's your address? I can send you a check. And I was like, just can we like donate it instead or figure out? And he was like, yeah, we can donate. This charity is really cool. And I looked into it and it's cool. So it's for people, um, soldiers who have like PTSD and stuff who use music to kind of recover from that and cope with it. They, uh, not all of them can afford a guitar. So it goes towards that. And it's important. Like I've, I've donated to them and I've donated to honor house, which is like another program that's like that too, because, uh, what I find is PTSD is, is tough because it's a, it's a problem in, in your head. You got to get out of your head, you know, right? Yeah, exactly. So, so stuff to do is extremely important. Like honor house, uh, kind of like this, they do things where it, you know, they get them to do, uh, arts and crafts. I mean, just anything, anything to just keep your brain occupied, you know, doing stuff. So, and obviously music. Um, and I find talking to, I've talked to a lot of veterans over the years. And what I find interesting is there seems to be a lot of veterans and I feel, I, I feel to it too. A lot of veterans, when they joined the service, for some reason, they were guitar players. They joined the service and they kind of slowly that fades out. And even I mentioned when I was in the army, I didn't play guitar as much. You know what I mean? 
-hmm. it was always just this you know i mean it, it did it just kind of floated away a little bit from me um and uh so yeah it's nice that it's nice especially in that circumstance to if they get a guitar to put that back you know what i mean so yeah i'm glad you picked that one i think that was a good one too i like that one uh and i always oh, use yeah. guitars in the classroom which is for kids is too it's a great one um okay so let's find another question what we got here um we have because we got just a couple more minutes so we should hopefully try to fit in like two questions um all right what do we have okay hold on i think i found one here we go all right so emil nice nissan sure what nielsen why not <laughs> uh it says in love with single coil sound but allergic to the hum uh with high gain what is your thoughts on single coil sound humbuckers i think what he means is single coil stack single coils that don't make hum uh oh i didn't know that was a thing yeah i have the same uh affliction my friend i love single coil tone sometimes you know it's just something magical about that sound um yep. and it's easy to to sound great when you're playing your john mayer uh even your hendrix and your um you know insert uh steve ray vaughn even you know what i call medium gain or lower guys you know what i mean Mm -hmm. But yeah, once you add any kind of high amount of gain, <laughs> single coils, the hum sometimes feels overwhelming. Uh, Do you, does a noise gate work for that or is that suck tone? It, it, it can. Noise gates can work and they do can. They can suck tone a little bit. Um, me, I've just learned. So here's what I do. Two things. So here's my two recommendations. First one is free get really fast at your hand on your volume yeah um and uh i've been doing that for years but phil x said that at, at GitCon, you know he uses p90s and i asked him i said do you use any kind of noise gate and stuff i mean obviously you're playing high gain you know amps you know with his his phil x amp is a high gain amp and he said zip <laughs> he says as soon as i'm not playing zip the volume off right um yeah. And so that's the free answer. Get fast at turning the volume off as soon as you're not playing. And the uh, money answer is uh, for noiseless pickups, I think there are some great ones out there. The DiMaggio uh, injectors are great. Uh, lace sensors are great. Um, so I'm not a huge fan of the Fender noiseless ones, but there are more than enough of my friends uh, like them so that I can say that, you know, most people, you got a good shot at liking them. Uh, and Seymour Duggan makes some stacks. Single coils are great too. Um, there's a ton of good options out there, out there for you. So, uh, but yeah, I understand what you're saying. Single coil tone, but 66 hum is, is tough. Um, and yeah. And so that ties into you. So you, cause the only single coil guitar I think you have is you have a strat and yep. then you have, you have the Dan Electro with lipsticks. Yep. And I also have another Dan Electro with P90. Oh yeah. With a P90. So, um, so are you a single coil guy? Is it something you feel compelled to have? Mm, no, I like I like the split, if anything. I mean, I if it's going to be a single coil is kind of synonymous with Strat for me. So like if I want a Strat sound, like I, I've never been a fat Strat kind of dude, um, like with the humbuckers and stuff like that. Right. I just like the uh, the bare bones single coil. I don't know, man. I like them both, but I well, think I would the... I would lean towards humbucker with a split. Yeah, single coil is the sound. I I prefer the single coils my strat. I shove humbuckers in strats because sometimes I just like the comfort of a strat. Mm -hmm. But uh, and, but I find that for some, you know the the magic of it is even when you shove humbuckers in strats, they still kind of sound like strats. They really retain that. Yeah, that's sound. true. Uh, okay, so we got one last question. Let's see what it is. So, if any guys want to try and submit one in the last second before I pick one? Um, sometimes I'm asking for trouble with that because there's 860 of us. So, all right, <laughs> Let's see if I can read fast enough. Um, all right, this is the question everybody always asks every time, but I'm gonna I'm gonna do it anyways. If you guys had to pick one guitar one amp and one pedal and one pick <laughs> <laughs> and, 
to play for the rest of your life, which would be scary because you didn't say one guitar cable, but that's okay. I'm good with that. What would you pick? One guitar, one amp, one pedal, one pick. Forever. No changes. Mm. One guitar, one amp, one pedal. Yeah. Oh, does the amp have gain? Well, you get to pick the amp. The oh, yeah, amp. yeah. You're right. Yeah. You're right. Yeah. Okay. Um, hmm. <coughs> I would say, I. you know what? I would say, off the top of my head, I never like built-in effects with amps, other than reverb, maybe. Uh, but I have something on the way to my home right now as we speak. It might even be crossing through Arizona. Who knows, Phil? <laughs> I don't know where it's coming from. I haven't checked. But Hughes and Kettner, is, uh, they sent me a Grandmeister. I have one right here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I should have they, said that. So, I have it on. I have on perpetual loan from them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So they, uh, so that amp has really cool uh, delay, and um, what else is in there? Is it delay everything? And reverb? Everything. It is, okay. it is. It is the most elaborate. <laughs> like. <laughs> it's yeah the, and it's amazing it does so many th different things you know if it's 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 like its own load box almost as far as the recording capabilities so absolutely um i'm really excited to get it but anyways i've hacked this question because i would get that amp which has tons of effects um so that kind of takes care of it so as far as what pedal i would want hmm i would want a wah pedal i think so i'm going to grab here hello it's my favorite wah pedal i have see that you know what i i give this guy props for asking the question i've never this is the farthest answer i ever thought you would give <laughs> like, <laughs> ah. um guitar she's right here yeah 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 and um, what was the last thing? Pick? Yeah. Uh, where is it? Hold on. I showed everything else on the screen. Check this out. What, what pick is that? What, what? <laughs> guess. You have to guess. Well, it looks like a Dunlop pick. Is it? Uh, mm, I don't know, actually. Oh. Weird. There's nothing on it, so there's nothing to see. Is it the music is win pick? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, product reveal. I have picks, guys. <laughs> no, it's not. Um, this will be like a sentimental pick to bring with me. This is a Jeff Loomis, one of his picks. Um, it's definitely not my style. But I also play with my fingers, so I I have this weird thing that you should be able to do pretty much everything with your fingers that you can do with a pick. So, um, and there's plenty of things I can do with my fingers that I can't do with a pick. So, I just think fingers on a guitar is like the ultimate form of guitar playing. So, I would just bring this for posterity, and I can still use it. Like it's it's like super sharp. It's not my style. But the only thing I really need a pick for is shredding. Um, so yeah, that makes can't sense. Get, can't get much more shred than Jeff Loomis. Um, and he gave it to me. That's always cool too. I uh, for me, I would pick a Strat, uh, and probably my copper one. But I mean, it could be any Strat. I could care less. Um, and uh, probably my Fender Princeton Reverb and my Lawrence. Petro 68 Overdrive right here because uh, oh. I can fr front that in my amp. Wouldn't you want the Deluxe, my friend? <laughs> I have the Deluxe. I'm pretty sure it's behind me. Um, you know what? I could probably take the Deluxe too. You, you know what it is? It's he. The Deluxe is this, but this button is foot switchable on the Deluxe and he added a boost, right? So it's the yeah, same the boost, pedal. The boost is sweet. And 
but the funny thing is for me is you know the saying old habits die hard i've been using this one since i bought it from him for like two years ago so even the deluxe i think is a better you know what i mean more options yeah. better i don't know habits so I, I guess either one just like the strat i don't care just pick me a strat give me my 68 princeton give me this pedal um and i'll use a, my dava pick and if you want to know why i'd use my dava pick you got to watch uh the music is win podcast that he released today i'll put that in the index because i explain my whole this whole reasoning for this pick in there so there's a reason to do it twice um yes i like those answers yes polar opposites yes um so uh uh so there you go you right so that was a good did you have a good time i didn't have a good time i had an excellent time thanks for having me man this is this is great i appreciate you coming on i like I said everybody i just want to thank tyler again for coming on answering questions uh thank you guys so much for hanging out and asking those questions because without questions this would be a lot different <laughs> it would be the podcast that, that we did <laughs> yeah which is which was also fun it was fun i had a blast doing the podcast i want to thank him again for doing the podcast i want to think of uh thank you for doing the uh the video response uh, for the sharp my axe because that was cool um so it was a, a fun week man this has been a highlight week for sure yeah this was like an ultimate collab this is most collaborating i've ever done me and me it's too. only the beginning <laughs> Yeah, see it's i think it's i think it's i think everybody enjoyed it too that's de definitely got the vibe i got yeah totally man and not then, as much as me though i'm so. the real winner here oops there you go there you go <laughs> <laughs> and then before i go i always do this so i'm gonna do it real quick it takes two seconds i'm gonna thank everyone uh the friends of the of the channel so right here i go through the list this is everyone who basically makes a live show happen every week it's bradulous jeff howe zachary rowe michael newman bruce garris hannah gunson john jex michael shy justin mabe david madison lawrence petros of course we just talked about his pedals uh james biles robert brooks tim camacho robert hodges steve penna paul ostrich ostrich probably saying that wrong i'm gonna fix that paul uh michael linder joe watson brent odell Greg Gore, of course, one of the original Sharp Max guys. Jonathan Pickering, Bob Pickwood, Tim, with no last name because he's just Tim. John Livett, Space Jazz, Pedal Pal Effects, Ricky Robinson, Chuck Keen, Chris Glaze, Dylan87, and Russ from Taurus Pedals. All those guys basically make this happen every week. Uh, so it's nice to be, what do you call it, fan-funded is basically how I put that. Uh, so thank you guys because uh, you guys are awesome. And until next week... Uh, thank you guys again, and uh, know your gear. <laughs>